welcome to the Park Road Podcast for September 4th, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Dan McClintock, Minister of Missions and Family Life at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon is entitled, A Faith That Redefines Hate. Imagine walking along with a large crowd on a hot, dry summer day. Perhaps you're following Jesus out of curiosity, not really knowing for sure what this new rabbi is about. Or maybe you've heard him teaching by the side of the lake, or you were there when he touched the woman and she was healed, or when a blind person's sight was restored, or a leper cleansed. Right now, you're just walking, following along. You're hot, tired, and sweaty, a little dirty, probably thirsty, and maybe even hungry. Suddenly, Jesus stops and turns to all of you and says that unless you hate your father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters, and yes, even your own life, you can't be his disciple. You must take up your cross and follow him. And then he tells you two parables about counting the cost. A man who builds a tower needs to know how much it will cost in order to finish it. And a king who goes to war needs to know how many soldiers are in the opposing army. Jesus then finishes his speech saying, by the way, unless you give up all your possessions, you can't be my disciple. As a would-be follower of Jesus, how do his words make you feel? Okay, the close your eyes part is over. Don't be falling asleep on me. For my part, I'd have been shocked to hear him say these things. Discouraged, probably a little put off. I think I would have felt like the demands were too great. And I'd have given up, thinking, no, following this guy is not for me. When I read read Jesus' words in this passage, I can't help thinking of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's work, The Cost of Discipleship. Bonhoeffer, as you know, was a German theologian, pastor, and anti-Nazi dissident, who said in his book, when Christ calls us, he bids us come and die. He further described what he called cheap grace as the preaching of forgiveness without repentance, grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, cheap grace is grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. 
Bonhoeffer, as you may know, passed up an opportunity to teach at Union Seminary in New York and instead took the last transatlantic flight, sorry, transatlantic ship, back to Germany in order to be with his people. He was arrested and spent a year and a half in prison before being executed at Buchenwald concentration camp in April of 1945, just two weeks before that camp was liberated by the Allies. Bonhoeffer, like many Christians throughout the centuries, was willing to follow Christ even to the point of giving up his life. Following to the point of literally giving our lives is probably, hopefully, not what's in store for you and me. But how exactly are we to understand these harsh, difficult words of Jesus? Most of the commentators I've read try to soften them or spiritualize them in some way so as not to take them too literally. They suggest that Jesus was using hyperbole, intentional exaggeration designed to shock his hearers into paying attention. Jesus didn't actually mean hate, that we're to hate our father and mother, wife and children. Even Matthew's version of this same encounter softens it. Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, Jesus says in Matthew's gospel. So hate really just means loving less. Love father and mother less than you love me. But if loving others, family, neighbors, strangers, and yes, even enemies, if loving others is one of the tangible ways that we express our love for God, then even that understanding of the passage is difficult. Fred Craddock, who's a world-renowned preacher and scholar, says that in biblical times, to hate was an expression that had nothing to do with the kind of emotion that we now associate with the word. In the ancient Near East, what's translated to hate really meant to detach from. As in, you need to be detached enough from other people, including your family and things, that if you need to make a choice, you'll be able to choose the way of Christ. With that reading, the passage doesn't say that you have to despise your family and loathe yourself in order to follow Jesus. And it reduces the number of impossible tasks to simply just one, a new priority. Every time there's a conflict, every time there's an option, choose the way of Christ. If you have to choose between what is convenient and the way of Christ in order to be a disciple 
you need to choose the way of Christ. If you have to choose between security and the way of Christ, in order to be a disciple, you need to choose the way of Christ. If we have to choose between the way of Christ and anything else, including family or personal gain, or yes, even life itself, in order to be disciples, we need to choose the way of Christ. Now to be clear, there are plenty of times when the choice isn't required. There's no need to choose. And that's well and good, because in those cases, the decisions are easy. But there also may be times when a choice is necessary, when a choice is forced. And those are the times when it's helpful to have looked ahead and to have counted the cost. What about Jesus' admonition to give up all our possessions if we wish to follow him? Once again, we surely don't have to take this literally, do we? Most say no, fortunately. That's a relief. It's easy to fool ourselves into thinking that we're not overly attached to our stuff. I mean, I have this nice car and all this cool sports equipment, nice golf clubs and clothes that I like, but it's all just stuff and I'm not attached to it, right? But what if you walk out this morning and discover that someone has hit your car in the parking lot, or you arrive home to find that your house was robbed while you were here, and heaven forbid, they took your TV. Maybe we're a little more attached than we like to admit. Detachment is not that we should own nothing, but that nothing should own us. Detachment is a concept with, with which I confess I have little experience. From the time that I was seven years old and started playing team sports, exercise and sports have always been really important to me. My favorite sport was always baseball, and giving that up when I was lo no longer good enough to make the cut in college was extremely difficult. For probably 25 years, I enjoyed recreational running, lots of 10Ks and even a couple of marathons. But knee problems eventually ended my running days, and again, my reaction was far from serene detachment. I suppose acceptance would be a more accurate term and even that took some time. But I think detachment is a more voluntary act, unlike my retirement from baseball and running, which circumstances forced upon me. Admittedly, then, I'm not the detachment expert. So let's turn, turn for wisdom concerning detachment to some of the great 
Christian thinkers and mystics. Ignatius Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits and author of Spiritual Exercises, urges us to seek the freedom of detachment, which he describes as a sort of equilibrium or balance. Ignatius talks about making use of those things that help to bring us closer to God and leaving aside those things that don't. Simone Weil, the 20th century French philosopher and Christian mystic, said, attachment is the great fabricator of illusions. Reality can only be attained by someone who is detached. Today's passage points to the attachment of relationships, father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters. The attachment of our possessions and the attachment of our very lives. Jesus suggests that following him should be more important than these. We might also be attached to places, our home, our neighborhood, our country, to our bodies, our health, and our appearance. We might be attached to knowledge and learning or to entertainment, to the things that we do to avoid boredom and fill the time. Perhaps we're attached to our emotions, to feeling good and to being happy. Whatever the attachment, Simone Weil would say, to cling too tightly to it is not reality, but illusion. St. John of the Cross, a Spanish priest and mystic, said that a bird can't fly if it, if it is tethered to the earth, whether with a small string or with a large rope. It doesn't matter how significant the attachment, as any attachment, if it's out of balance, will hinder our flight to God. My wife and I were able to get away for a couple of days this week and go to the mountains near Boone. We stayed in a bed and breakfast, and it turned out that the owners were French. So we had the unexpected delight of speaking French with them. We reserved the least expensive room, and they surprised, surprised us by providing a free upgrade because the inn wasn't full and be, perhaps because of our French connection. My wife and I both enjoy hiking, and we hiked and walked for about 10 miles on each of the two days. We hiked through wooded areas with large, magnificent trees, along paths bordered by rhododendron and mountain laurel, and through meadows of wildflowers and butterflies. We saw beautiful cascading waterfalls, mountains that were shrouded in the morning, mist and clear vistas in the afternoons. In the evening, we sat on the porch with our new French friends, talking about their children and about how much they missed their extended family 
and their beloved France, it turned out to be a very deep and moving conversation as we talked about some of the tragedies they had endured and about the faith that sustained them. The following day, after a delicious breakfast, with the food presented on the plate so attractively as only the French can do, we hiked some more. Just as we were nearing the end of our journey, Anne was walking ahead of me, and I was trying to keep up as usual, when a beautiful doe leapt across the path between us, followed by its fawn. The fawn stood on spindly legs, staring at Anne for maybe 15 seconds, before retreating back into the bush where her mother rejoined her. It was an awesome end to a wonderful two-day retreat. I believe God provides gifts like this for us to enjoy. We're meant to live life to the fullest, to drink it all in, but not to hold on to it too tightly, not to try to own the gifts or to possess them. God intends for us to enjoy the beauty of creation and the beauty of relationships, not as ends in themselves, but as a way of leading us to God and to a deeper relationship with God. Henry Nouwen, the Dutch Catholic priest, professor, and writer, described the paradox of detachment and belonging. He said, to be able to enjoy fully the many good things the world has to offer, we must be detached from them. To be detached does not mean to be indifferent or uninterested. It means to be non-possessive. Life is a gift to be grateful for and not a property to cling to. Nowen goes on to say that a non-possessive life is a free life. But such freedom is only possible when we have a deep sense of belonging. To whom then do we belong? We belong to God, and the God to whom we belong has sent us into the world to proclaim in God's name that all of creation is created in and by love and calls us to gratitude and joy. That is what the detached life is all about. It is a life in which we are free to offer praise and thanksgiving to God. I said earlier that if I had been following Jesus that day in the heat with the crowd and heard the words he spoke, I might have been discouraged, given up, and gone home. I might have felt like the demands of being a Jesus follower were just too heavy. I might have ended up living for myself, building my own little towers, 
and waging my own little wars. I hope not. I hope that confronted with the choice, I would have chosen the way of Christ because it's in him that we find life. It's in him that we live life to the fullest. May it be so. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you. Thank you.